more than likely going to go out of their way to be a great tenant. And they're not going to want to let down their lead who, who referred somebody to you. So I think that's important, but at the same time, they're still screened. Welcome to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping you, the real estate investor, advance to the next level. And now let's join this week's hosts and share ways for you to customize your life. Right Club Nation, welcome. We are speaking to Derek McEwen today, and it is me. I am the one solo co-host, and we talk about making offers, how to put your deals together. We talk about structuring, you know, partnership deals, and uh, and Derek shares some of what he's been doing as an investor. He's also a realtor and helps with a lot of investors buy properties in Cornwall, Ontario. And, uh, and I hope you enjoy this today's conversation, today's podcast episode. Don't forget to leave a rating and review and check us out. We've got tons of meetings, some virtual, some in person. We've got wine tours, all of that fun stuff. So check us out, therightclub.com. Go to the calendars and the event page. On that note, let's bring in Derek McEwen. Derek, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing very well. How about yourself? Good, good. So we, uh, we haven't met. So this is actually the first time. So I'm going to learn about your story along the way as well. And, you know, right before pressing play, I, uh, I asked you where you were, you were uh, joining in from. And, and I think one of the potential really, really great markets that Ontario has to offer, you know, maybe share a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and the markets that you're investing in. Sure, that sounds great. So originally, I am from Montreal, and uh, I've been uh, living out near Cornwall for about the last 12 years. And so basically, um, when I moved to the area, I, uh, I became a, a realtor uh, as a second career in Montreal. I was uh, an insurance broker. And um, along the way, uh, when I became a, a realtor, I was uh, lucky enough to meet um, I, at the office that I was working with uh, at the time, uh, someone who was giving uh, investment seminars. And so I, I learned from them about the possibilities of investing in real estate as, uh, as a reason to, uh, to potentially attract new clients. But the more that I worked about it, the more intrigued I got. So, so basically, um, I started to, to buy myself. Awesome. That's great. So are you able to share, you know, maybe today what your portfolio does consist of? Is it, you know, a specific strategy? Is it in, in a specific area or have you expanded since then? Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, no, my, uh, my area is around Cornwall because that's what I know. Uh, and I'm able to, you know, easily do the research uh, on that area. Um, I like to buy and hold. So I have uh, one property on my own. And with, um, with my partners, we, we have five now. And uh, looking to buy more when the opportunity comes. We focus on, uh, on small multis. So duplexes or triplexes, if we're lucky enough to find a good deal on a fourplex, we'll definitely grab it. Uh, but our, our budget and our price range, we're, we're sticking around that area there for now. And uh, we'll see, how, uh, see w- how we can grow going forward. 
Okay, awesome. So you've got one one on your own and uh, a handful with JV partners or partners. How did you choose? Why did you choose scaling up with another partner versus maybe doing it on your own? Because there's pros and cons to both. Sure. The main reason was because my my partners are into property management. So so basically, we have a great partnership. Uh, working relationship together, me as the realtor, and them more hands-on on taking care of the properties. So it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's an excellent fit. Um, we just uh, work well together. I, I do the research when we're in, um, when we're in the buying position, and, uh, and they manage it. So basically, I, can, I, I, I don't have to worry about what's going on behind the scenes. I, I have confidence in them that they're taking care of things. So it works out very well for us. Right. So it's like you're complimenting each other in the sense that you're finding the deals and they're doing maybe the more of the management day-to-day stuff that you may not want uh, or have time to do, you know, still working uh, as a realtor. What about like just like financing and funding? Like how did you um, and your partners, for example, decide um, how to go about that? Um, for, for the first uh, property, we reached out to, for, for a private loan and uh, that property itself, um, that was about four years ago. Um, so the timing was actually very lucky for us because it was before the market really went crazy um, and the prices uh, escalated, have escalated a lot since then. Um, so basically from that initial property, we have been able to uh, burr it and uh, get two more properties out of it. And uh, then along the way, um, we also borrowed for two other properties. So now we're, we're, we're in a position to, to look at our, um, our portfolio in general. We're thinking of selling off our, our, uh, our least performing property. And in doing so, that will pay off uh, the majority of our loans and we'll be able to go forward on a very, very um, stable uh, footing. Mm-hmm. So, so you've closed with, with private lenders. Like, was this like a hundred? I mean, you know, the more we can share, obviously, with the audience on the, some of the things that they could do, for example, I, I think that the easier it might be for them to be able to do something similar now. Were these loans like through a mortgage broker? Was it the financing through like a, you know, private financing of somebody that you, you, you know, both knew personally? How did you yeah, it, that? it, that's exactly it. It was private financing from, from somebody that, that I knew, a family member actually. Mm-hmm. And I discussed with them um, my desire to, uh, to purchase real estate and the opportunities around it. And, um, and they felt that, uh, uh, I knew what I was speaking about. I uh, showed them the the opportunities that are out there that other people have become su- successful doing it. Um, and so basically, uh, we uh, we made an arrangement for a loan. And um, like I said, now we're in a position to to pay that off and uh, and move forward. So so in our case, it, it was it was not necessarily easy, but it was a familiar face. So, so the, um, so the quest wasn't as difficult as let's say going out in the network and, and looking for a complete stranger. Um, but uh, there are, 
mortgage brokers in our area that uh, that do uh, deal with that kind of thing. They work with uh, private lenders. So for the people out there that are looking, um, I think that's a great place to start is uh, talk to a local mortgage broker, see if they have any lenders in their portfolio. And it could be a great fit. It could be a good uh, way for people to start. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And then you have an exit maybe with like a, an A lender type of bank or a trust company or credit unions once you're, once you're done. Because you have to still wait or, or maybe you didn't, right? Like if, if you're still just holding as a, as a buy and hold from a private money standpoint, you just have to make sure that like the numbers work regardless, right? Because sometimes private money is great. Sometimes it's a lot more expensive than, than others. And so, um, you know, you have to, I guess the more that you know somebody, the, the easier it probably is going to be, you know, to, to negotiate terms that might make sense, maybe even to keep the property for a little bit longer. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, the, we are in a buy and hold strategy, that, that's for sure. So the private loan for us was basically enough to, to put down down payment. And then we went with a traditional uh, financial institution uh, as well. Okay. So, so basically, so it was kind of like a second mortgage. So, so now we're in a position to, to pay that off and then just continue moving forward with our, uh, with, with our standard uh, bank. Okay. So you're essentially like maybe going to refinance the new value and then minus the old mortgage, then that Delta is likely enough to cover, you know, the 20% down or whatever it was that you put down as the down payment. And so the, the private lender then gets paid back and potentially you can reuse their funds into a future deal. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's worked out very well so far. The thing is now, you know, like I mean, now the obviously the the property prices are are rising, as everybody has noticed across uh, the province and, and the country for for that matter. So basically, getting your hands on on the right deal at the right time is becoming a little bit more difficult. But um, you know, like I mean, we're not in any rush. Uh, we're not going to buy just for the sake of buying. Uh, we want to make sure the numbers are are right, that we're in a good position. We don't want to overextend ourselves, which I highly recommend that to everybody to make sure when you're buying, don't panic buy. Make sure you are well prepared for not only your current uh, debt needs but future as well. You know, when you have to. Uh, when you have to refi in three or five years, make sure that you're going to be in a, a great position to, uh, to, to handle what could be coming with all the interest rate hikes we're seeing. We're going to take a quick break from the show. Are you a real estate investor or entrepreneur looking to get out there and network with some awesome people? Then the Have Your Cake and Eat It Too is a retreat you won't want to miss. Treat yourself to a three-day retreat, focus on your health, wealth and time for yourself on the site of the new luxury inspire beach resort this retreat will include live bands great speakers yummy food delicious drinks fun activities and lots of time for networking for more information and to get your ticket visit www.saralarby.com and now back to the show 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, we're, we're likely seeing an increase in June, like, uh, likely another increase in October, um, and, and probably even more, you know, more down the road, depending on what happens. So, so let's talk about numbers. Let's talk about, you know, acquisitions. I know that's your, your, you know, main bread and butter of, of how you're, you're positioning, um, you know, your partnership. So you look for these properties, you analyze them, walk us through that process. Like, what does that look like? You know, maybe just a step-by-step. So somebody that's starting out, looking at properties, has an idea of like how to even look at these properties or, or you know, how to run some of the numbers that you're looking at? Well, for, for me, it's, it's very important for, for, for myself and not only my partners, but any of my buyers, just to make sure that the property will cash flow, uh, meaning that um, the rental income is going to be able to carry the expenses of the property taxes, water taxes, the insurance, um, definitely uh, the mortgage uh, and um, still have enough left over just in case there's a little bit of hiccups along the way in case we get uh, a vacancy or potentially a a problem with a tenant. Um, We just wanna make sure that the cash flow is potentially there um, but not only that, but we like to look forward a little bit. What if, um, what if the cash flow is is adequate to get by? But also, what is the potential cash flow on a tenant turnover? You know, what's our potential uplift in the next year or two, where we can really, um, where we can really see some some great appreciation and and capture that additional income to be able to put it into the next project when our when our mortgage does come up for renewal. So a little bit uh, of all of that combined, uh, but the most important thing is that we we want to make sure that the income is going to be there. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I mean, the cash flow portion is what's going to, in my opinion, have that staying power as rates increase, as the market might go into a different cycle, maybe a downward turn. This is why we don't just bank on the crazy appreciation that we've had in the last couple of years. Everybody that bought anything looked like a genius, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but at some point it's going to, you know, it's again, it doesn't last forever. Some markets are faster. cycle market cycles are faster than others. I mean, Alberta has a a higher market, you know, quicker, faster, market cycle than, for example, Ontario, but, you know, everything comes up, everything comes down. It's just a matter of, you know, what, at what degree and, and what portion. Um, so we talked about cash flow. So you're, when you're looking at your cash flow numbers, like how are you, or how would you even suggest that somebody figure out like what market rents might be for a specific area? Like where can they get that data? Uh, I would speak with, with specifically with a local realtor. Uh, and, and I think that that's very important. You know, everybody, everybody has their own realtor that they like to work with, um, but a, a realtor from Ottawa isn't necessarily going to be a great realtor to tag along with you to go buy a property in Hamilton or, or London or, or somewhere around there. I think the knowledge of a local market is very important for, for everybody. And a realtor that does deal in real estate will understand, you know, they'll have their finger on the pulse of, of what a two bedroom is going for or what a single family home can, can rent for, depending on the condition it is or the size or whatever. I, I think that is the most important key for, for anybody. 
Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You've got to work with people that have a local pulse on the market. I mean, it could be even through property managers uh, that are local in that area. If you're, if you're planning on hiring that property management company, they likely have some good data because many of them also place the tenants and, uh, and put the, you know, put the rents at, at whatever the market rent is and start screening that way. What about, you know, stress testing the property for the rate increases? Like how are you factoring some of that in? As we know that like we're not going to be in these low rates forever, something that cash flows now may not necessarily cash flow the same, you know, in two years from now. Are you doing anything specific to account for that? Yeah. Well, for for us, we 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 don't take any money out of uh, out of our company per per se. We so we're we're accumulating our our uh, our cash and our cash flow, but also at the same time, when we do look to purchase, we we try and envision what would happen upon our our mortgage renewal. How how much more can we handle, and what effect will that be on uh, on the bottom line? Uh, at the same time, we're hoping um, that there will be at least one tenant turnover in a property. Uh, so if we're, if we're doing multi, if it's a, a, a three unit property, assuming that we're going to get at least one tenant turnover in that four or five year period of time and, and maximize our, our market rent on, on one of those units, that'll additionally help us, uh, during the, uh, the, uh, the refinance when, when we go through that. Mm-hmm. So you're buying these essentially with the tenants in place and then hoping that one of them or two of them or three of them move out at some point so that you can reset the rents back to market because in Ontario, if there's a tenant in place, if these buildings are in rent controlled units, you can only increase it by a very small amount, which is, you know, 1.2% in 2022 and not more than 2% thanks to, uh, you know, Kathleen Wynne back in the day that, that capped it. But, you know, market rents can go up 10, 15% a year because of supply and demand and the low vacancy. And so when your tenants move out, if you're a new investor, that is actually a good thing, right? It is a good thing when they move out and you can reset to market. Once they've been there for two, three, four years, you'll start falling behind. Thoughts? Yeah, it, it, it's extraordinary. The, the whole thought process of all of that, like, like you said, you know, we're capped this year at 1.2%. And yet, boy, uh, we got nailed on, on our insurance uh, increase over the last two years. It, it must have gone up about 30 or 40% combined for the, for the past two years. Uh, you know, 1.2% doesn't go very far when you have one of your suppliers that is insisting that, that you come up with, with the extra money. Um, and a lot of, you know, like, like, I mean, I don't want to be a tenant basher, but just, just realistically, a lot of tenants don't understand uh, some of the expenses that a landlord goes through. Um, they don't understand why when a tenant does turn over that a unit that was going for X is now going for X plus $500. Um, it is to be able to properly manage the property. Uh, not a huge windfall. It is money that's being allocated to additional expenses that, that are coming up. Uh, I'm pretty fortunate right now. I, one of my tenants in, in, in my in my personal building, they uh, they just left after three and a half years. They were excellent tenants, and and 
you know, there, there's that, um, there's that uh, loss of a great tenant that, you know, you can count on, but there's also the opportunity to get back to market rent. So, so for this property here, you know, I'm able to, to increase um, by $400 a month, uh, like for a small town, that's, that's pretty decent. And that'll help me pay for the extra insurance that'll help me spiffy the place up and, and get it ready for an, a great new tenant that I've already found for, uh, for June. Um, so, you know, it, it is necessary uh, to go through the, you know, to, to put those increases in, even though it's difficult on society that they're, you know, they're facing all these increased expenses as well. Why mm-hmm. um, it's not, we're not doing it out of greed. We're doing it out of, out of the necessity to, to properly manage our property. We're going to take a quick break from the show. Hey, Right Club Nation. We want to take a quick break from the podcast to introduce you to a longtime supporter of the Right Club and many members of the Right Club Nation, Mr. Dylan Suter of Elevation Realty. Dylan, take it away. Thank you so much for this opportunity. We, as Elevation Realty, are the sponsor for the real estate slot at the Right Club, and we have been attending since the second Right Club. We are an investment-focused, high-volume real estate team serving the Golden Horseshoe from Oakville down to Niagara. If you are looking to increase your cash flows or you want to find an incredible opportunity, we deal with builders, we deal with off-market opportunities, as well as we are very creative and negotiate the best deal for even on-market opportunities. We've helped a number of clients with the Right Club find flips, single-family rentals, duplex conversions, three- and four-unit renovations, all the way up to large residential buildings with high cash flow. A little bit about myself, if you haven't heard, personally, I've scaled over 300 doors in the last two years, which has given me a ton of experience in analyzing all the deals that may come across my desk for you. So if you're interested in learning more, please reach out to us at 905-592-4220, or you can email us at admin at elevationrealty.ca, that is admin at E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca, and let's sit down and create your investment dream portfolio. Guys, and I have to say, I stand behind Elevation and Dylan. They found me. My last few properties have done an amazing job. 100% recommend them. So thank you for all your hard work. Now, back to the podcast. And now, back to the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing. And, um, you know, the other thing, because you're a realtor, um, I'm just curious, and, and we're going to take a little bit of a, a, a different question here, but, you know, you, you talked about placing the tenants and finding the tenants, which is awesome. And are, is there any specific screening measures uh, or things that you do in order to find the right tenant? Lately, what I've been doing is actually asking for word of mouth. Basically, because our area, there is, uh, there, there is a housing shortage, like there is in, in most of the country, most of the province. So now I'm at a point where if we do get a vacancy, uh, I ask colleagues and I ask friends and I give, I give them or their contacts the, the first kick at the can. And I think there's a little bit of, a little bit of better safety net in there. Because a friend of a friend is is more than likely going to go out of their way to be a great tenant, and they're not going to want to let down their lead who, you know, who who referred somebody to you. 
So I think that's important, but at the same time, they're still screened, you know, just to make sure that the income is there and do they have any past references or stuff like that. But I think that I, I think that's a good way to, to go about it um, because we hear so many horror stories of that potential, that one potential lousy tenant that can actually, you know, ruin your livelihood. And uh, those are the ones that have to be avoided at all costs. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, you know, if, if somebody knows somebody that's a, a great tenant, I mean, you still do obviously your, your regular checks, but it's all, all, also nice to know that they, like you said, were referred by somebody else who, if, if they mess it up, they're never going to be referred by that person ever again. What about, you know, I want to go and, and ask you just a, a couple questions before we wrap up, just about offers. And, and you're a realtor, uh, you know, you, you probably do a lot of offers of you for yourself, but you also probably write up a lot of offers for other investor clients. What mm-hmm. are some clauses that you, you know, now that I think the market is slowly shifting, that we could probably have some clauses back versus just going firm, firm. Of course, you know, there's, there's risks and pros and cons, but what are some maybe interesting clauses that as an investor you might want to consider or just what you're seeing works really well in order to uh, yeah, you know, win the deal? Well, the last, the last two years, it's definitely been the seller's market. And not only that, but there's been a lot of competition. A, a, lot, of, uh, a lot of them have gone multi. So it's been difficult to put in anything that is, that, that, that's going to be very beneficial for, for the buyer. But now, you know, now that things, like you said, are softening up a, a little bit, you still have to put in, you know, your, your, your inspection clause. You know, you, you never know what could be hiding, um, you know, uh, that you're just not, not expecting. You know, for, for example, in our area, um, we have the, uh, the no-corrode piping, uh, which uh, I don't know how common it is across the rest of the province, but uh, but basically, it's a it's it's the sewer sewer piping that that's been put in, um, it, you know, from the 40s to about the 70s or early 80s, depending on if there was still leftover stock, um, and and they're unreliable. And so, basically, uh, for a very um, inexpensive um, for, for a very inexpensive check of the sewer system with, with a, a local contractor just to verify if it, if it's functioning properly or if it's or or if it's ready to collapse ones that do um, you know it could cost somebody you know fifteen or twenty thousand dollars to to get the mess cleaned up and and new piping put put in um, so for me it's very necessary whenever possible is to to get that inspection clause put put in there just to make sure that the property is not going to hit you with any setbacks. Um, aside from that, well, you know, like just the standard standard clauses, or you know, just to uh, have the seller confirm that there's no current problems with any of the tenants and paying their rent or any disputes in the property, or they haven't been damaging it. Uh, stuff like that. Uh, and for somebody that's buying, let's say someone's buying a single family home that is tenanted, um, we come into that whole issue, is the property going to become vacant? You know, have, Is the seller already in a situation where they've advised the tenant that they're selling and has the tenant advise the, the seller 
or confirm to the seller that yes, we are moving out. So basically for, for any buyer, you want to put in that the property is going to come guaranteed vacant. Uh, now, whether or not the seller is going to want to agree with that, that's another story. But if, um, if a counter offer comes and that clause is, is, is scratched out, it's, it's a big warning sign to any buyer that, you know, you could be waiting a long period of time for that property to become vacant. If, if the tenant says, well, take me to the landlord or tenant board and, and let's have our day in court, even though eventually they should be moving out anyway. So that's a, that's a big one for everybody to, uh, to pay attention to. Um, and, and I would definitely put that in there now. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm going to add a little bit to that because the, the vacancies in a province like Ontario, again, this is going to be a little bit different for every province, but technically you can't ask for vacant possession unless you're moving into the unit or into the property. And in that case, as the buyer, you would issue an N12 and the N12 you're signing saying that you're moving into it. However, it doesn't mean that the seller might not have a good relationship with a tenant and offer you vacant possession potentially if you ask for it. But as soon as you close, you know, even if, if you close on these and the tenants are still there, they become your, your problems and your responsibility. And in a place like Ontario, if they're paying the rents and they're not doing anything illegal, you're really not, again, unless you're moving in yourself, your, your child or your parent or something, you're really not able to ask them to move, just to ask them to move. It's not the same as like a commercial tenant. So just to keep that in mind, like, you know, work with your lawyer, work with your paralegal, if there's anybody listening to this, because there are some, some nuances around it. And I've had situations where people I know were moving into a property and then all of a sudden the tenants were still there and they couldn't close and then they had to delay close. And at some point, you know, they have to either decide if they want to, forego the agreements uh, or take the chance and close with the tenants in there. So it, it's always a bit of a risk, but just to keep that in mind, obviously work with your realtor, but work with your, your paralegal and your, your lawyer as well. Um, because, you know, if the seller accepts a vacant possession, that's great for you as the buyer, um, if they just agree to it essentially, but you know, you do want to save your last showing and not use all of your showings to be able to ensure that that is truly the case. So I usually do like a last showing the day before. And if you're, the tenants are still yeah, they, you've got to call and, your and, lawyer and, and extend. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's a great clause to put in as well is, is the, the day before walkthrough. Mm -hmm. uh, just make sure the property is in the condition that you're anticipating. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely necessary. Yeah. I mean, in terms of clauses, I mean, obviously, you know, um, there's, there's lots of clauses, but as an investor specifically, like just as, as we're talking, a couple things I would consider is, you know, if you are doing this and you're potentially doing some renos or you're going to do something that requires some permits to add a clause with your realtor in there uh, on your contract that says that you can start the permit process with the city uh, while you're waiting to close, because there's no sense of waiting to close and spending you know, and wasting 30 days or 60 days when, you know, that could be time the city is going to need anyways to give you these permits. So you might as well have that clause in there. I think just even like an assignment clause, you never know if you want to sign it, bring in a joint venture partner, put in a corporation, it just gives you more flexibility and you can do that any, any time before closing. Um, right. You know, I mean, there's, there's lots of things you can just ask for, you know, the financials to confirm that the tenants are in fact paying, that they're up to date. I mean, there's so many things that you could do, but, you know, off the top of my head, I would probably at least suggest that like, you know, 
that pro like those, those, those get in there, um, you know, and that you're able to do like, sometimes I like the due diligence clause. Cause it's kind of like all encompassing, uh, and you can put anything you want in there. You can do, you know, you can do walk through with your contractor. Uh, you could do, you know, just, um, zoning checks verifications, like your due diligence. It's kind of like this overarching, uh, clause, but again, more negotiation ability, um, uh, as there are going to be less and less buyers, I think, you know, in the coming months, this is going to be a great, great opportunity for very savvy investors that are going to be in this, you know, be in the game for the long term to be able to snag some good coming opportunities. Well, I completely agree. I completely agree. We're we're already seeing a little bit of a shift. You know, um, a lot of the properties that were being snagged up, uh, no, well, basically no no conditions. You know. Um, presentation date and and that day that you know the sold sign goes up. Now we're seeing a lot of them that are going conditional. Um, so in that aspect, there has been a slowdown. And uh, and like you said, it's, it's definitely going to continue further. Where there's going to be uh, some properties that might stay on the market a little bit longer than what the seller anticipated. Maybe some price changes will happen soon. Um, you know, less competition less people want to deal with some of the interest rate hikes. So definitely for, for people that are in position to, to buy, um, a better time is, is probably on the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, Derek, that was great. Thank you for, for sharing. The next part of the podcast is the lightning round. There's going to be four total questions. You can give us the first answer that comes to mind in 20 seconds or less. Are you ready to play? I am. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 and check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. All right, so here's question number one of the lightning round. What is the best advice that you have ever received from another investor or at a networking event? Um, Buy now. If you're ready to buy, buy now, don't hesitate. Because if you hesitate too long, then you're probably going to regret not making the decision. If you're ready, then you should go. Okay. All right. Number two, what is your favorite resource for investors? Could be anything, a book, a training, person, event, like anything you can think of. Resource. No question about it. It's the right club. I I was speaking with Catherine about this the, the, the other day. And there are so many knowledgeable people here. Uh, there are so many great resources here for people that want to learn how to invest, uh, not just necessarily in Canada. It could be United States, overseas, um, down south somewhere, uh, different strategies of buying and holding, uh, getting financing, like you were speaking about earlier, uh, all kinds of different ways to invest. The ideas are, are, are seen in the, in the right club, and I truly recommend everybody to, to look into some of the resources here and, and, and learn as much as you can. All right, amazing. Number three, what is the one attribute, in your opinion, that has made you most successful? 
I, I think my honesty. I, I, I'm not going to be a realtor that is just going to tell somebody to buy uh, just so I can make a sale. I, I want my client to be, um, to, to be buying a, a property that suits them properly. Whether If it's an investment property, make sure that their numbers work for them, that it will cash flow for them, and, and that they won't regret it. Um, I've told many clients to walk away from a property that they, they seem hesitant on and that it might not work. And I would rather be that guy that tells someone to walk away from an iffy deal and, and save, you know, say, save my, my client from a potential mistake. And from that, I, I, I get referrals. I, I, I just want to be honest. I, I don't want to be that sleazy salesman. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's, especially when working with investors, it's a small industry, but also, you know, you help them make money on the first one. They're going to come back to you for their second and the third. And, you know, as investors, we don't want to just get, you know, get one property and be done. It's, it's about building a portfolio. So you're thinking, exactly. about which is awesome. Number four, it's Sunday morning. As an example, what do you typically do on a Sunday morning? Typically uh, Sunday morning is, uh, is breakfast with, with my mother. And after breakfast, then I'm, I'm taking a look at uh, any potential emails or text messages. And more than likely, I have uh, an appointment set up for the afternoon to go take a look at a property. Uh, it could very well be a property um, or for a buyer that's out of town. And, and I just go there solo. I, I do my walkthrough. I take a look at the place, get an understanding of, of what my buyer could uh, expect in the event that they're going to put an offer on it and then uh, make the call afterwards and let them know what I think. And it will give them additional uh, ammo to, uh, to, to uh, number crunch and, and think about things to see if they want to put an offer in. Okay. All right, Derek, thank you for playing the lightning round. Where can our right club nation reach out and find out more about you? Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to be here. I, I, I really appreciate the time. Absolutely. Now, where can the Right Club Nation reach out and find out more about you? Uh, they can uh, reach out to text messages is always easy at 613-330-7056. They can call that number as well, but it goes to voice message a lot because I'm in the country. But text message shows up and I, and I will reply to it as soon as I possibly can. All right. Perfect. Derek, thank you so much for being on and sharing uh, so much great information with us. Thank you. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping all levels of real estate investors advance to the next level and help you customize your life. Be sure to tune in next week at rightclub.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you get a few seconds, please rate the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps the show get noticed by others like you. And we truly appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe.